Wednesday, Star Trek The Next Generation and Voyager join forces. I have a plan for communicating with Voyager. They've been stranded 60,000 light years from home. I've decided to ask Captain Picard for help. Now, the moment they've been waiting for... The message is being transmitted on a Starfleet emergency channel. ...is finally here. Come in, Voyager. Do you hear me? Starfleet Command. Come in. Voyager. An all-new Star Trek Voyager. Strange new takes. I'm your host Notch Karnik, and with me, the third time we're trying to do this recording, are Emily Bowen Marler and Adam Bowen. I almost feel like I need to do like a time travel joke here, but I'm going to leave that one out here. So, <laughs> uh, welcome to Strange New Takes. We're excited to be recapping episodes of uh, they're, they're, they're really things that are kind of holodeck adjacent, or there's lots of holograms in them, or something. Uh, in this case, Reg Barkley maybe just qualifies for everything except for the weird spider episode. Um, but yeah, today we're going to be recapping the episode Pathfinder, which is the 10th episode of the sixth season of Voyager. And if you enjoy our podcast, why not follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? Uh, really, you know, if you have a different social network that you like a lot and we're not on it, let me know. I'll, uh, maybe I'll make a profile. Maybe I won't. I don't know. You're not the boss of me. But uh, you should add us so you can follow us, find out when we're dropping new episodes and such. Also, Apple Podcasts has a rating system. Podcasts that are rated well on Apple Podcasts do better in search lists. So give us an assist by giving us a five-star rating on apple podcast we will appreciate it we will appreciate you we will read your review on the episode it'll be great and before we begin anything else i just want to remind you all that we will be spoiling the episode that we are about to discuss so if you haven't seen pathfinder you know go take a watch and then come back and join us find a path to watching the episode if you will <laughs> uh, okay all right, maybe you can uh, have your TV point itself to an itinerant class B pulsar. Uh, but anyway, you had to get all, that in there. I really <laughs> did. I really did. I cannot help myself. So as Adam shared earlier, we are going to discuss the episode Pathfinder, the 10th episode of the 6th season of Star Trek Voyager. It first aired on 1st December 1999. It has the distinction of being the final episode of Star Trek aired in the 90s. It is a teleplay by David Zabel and Kenneth Biller. The story is by David Zabel. It is directed by Mike Vajar. These are all, none of these names mean anything to me except maybe Kenneth Biller. And the in-universe date is 2376. Now I'm going to go on Memory Alpha and find out like David Vajar is some star, or Mike Vajar is some Star Trek legend that I should know about and I've just like dissed him. Yep, He's, he's directed lots of episodes. 31 episodes of Star <laughs> <Yeah>. Trek. Yep. <laughs> I am an idiot. But David Zabel, we can make fun of David Zabel all we want because he just wrote this one episode, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, yeah, that's it. All right, let's just, this entire episode is going to be a roast of David Zabel. How about Mm -hmm. that? (laughs) Okay. Well, we always start with our strange new takes. And uh, I'm going to kick things off this week by telling you something about David Zabel. No, I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> really not, not for David Zabel anymore. It's a fun name to say, though, don't you think? 
I I am going to pontificate on the books of Anthony Bourdain for a second, because why not? Uh, for the longest time, I thought his second book, A Cook's Tour, was kind of this lame, uh, very vanilla travel book and did not read it. I only read his uh, initial autobiography, Kitchen Confidential, and then his uh, later follow-up called Media Marat. Big mistake. Cook's Tour is phenomenal. It's basically written from the standpoint of a guy who worked in kitchens in New York for 30 years and then was plucked and plopped into like rural Cambodia, Vietnam, his like childhood whole, like uh, vacation spot for, for with his family in France. It is such a beautiful, it like just reads like an awakening. The man is magical in his assembly of words. So he is so, it's so evocative, the scenes he writes about. Whether he's writing about something that is just shocking and like unthinkable or like something that's beautiful and and uh, a place you really want to go to, it, it is just, it, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. So I strongly recommend if you've read nothing by Anthony Bourdain, I would actually recommend like a cook store might be a good place to start if you'd rather read about like travel rather than uh, life in a New York City kitchen. So kitchens as it were. Anyway, uh, also he writes, he probably writes better than David Zabel, okay? So I'm just going to put that out there as well. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> Pathfinder, um, I I kind of felt like this was just Hollow Pursuits like re-triggered into a new episode. It was so like basic. It's so basic. <laughs> I don't know what else I can really say. I mean, I, I so I maybe the, I'll give a take that's like slightly on your take, but I'm still going to do my other takes, I think. Uh, well, no, I'm not. My other one was bad. So what I'll do is instead, I think that you're right there. But About David Zabel? Like, no, no, no. Well, yeah, David Zabel's trash. Uh, dude sucks. Uh, but I actually feel like this episode is better than uh, than the one that it's that it's basically just a rejiggering of okay I, I i don't know what what exactly what it is about it but i i think it might just be like i was very much more into how uh we were portraying reg it it like i don't know i th this is this is definitely like the reg that's closest to my heart like the one that it's like it's because he's a genius that or and also awkward and all the, and all that stuff the um uh the previous episode i, I wasn't as into his character but um yeah, and, and now I'm going to do my real world, world takes since I did these backwards. But um, <laughs> basically, I uh, I just finished Mass Effect Leg Legendary Edition. I, I played it back in the day, but it was just a complete delight getting to uh, revisit that series. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I fully recommend getting in there. Uh, the Mass Effect one is uh, not great gameplay-wise anymore, but uh, the stories that are that you can... Uh, getting all that stuff is just fabulous and i fully recommend it it's uh my, my trouble is that i enjoy kaden more as a character but uh i i always for some reason let him die and keep ashley alive and i don't know and she just turns into like such like a mean person later in the series that i i regret that oh. choice Oh no! I I I go femshep, and then this time Caden was a uh, uh, lieutenant boyfriend, and then major boyfriend uh, uh, at the end. So we we held hands as we went to go kick ass on against the Reapers. Nice. All right. My husband always plays as a woman. 
Interesting. Anyway. Okay. I don't understand video game stuff at all, so it's totally not my thing. So you all were just talking like some other language that I did not understand. Travis maybe would have understood it. But anyway, so uh, my real world world take is that, you know what? It sucks getting sick during a pandemic. It's super stressful because you think, oh my gosh, I have COVID. I have such a weird list of symptoms. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I was with a bunch of kids the night before and I exposed them to COVID. And then you go to get a test and they don't have like any rapid tests available. And so you have to wait like more than 24 hours to get your test results, but it's actually more accurate. So it's probably okay. And I I didn't have COVID. But man, I felt really crappy. And but then someone who was with me that uh, the night before I got sick, <laughs> they got sick. They sent me a text. So what were your symptoms that you had? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't even that close to you. I'm so sorry. So we're like trying to figure out how is it that we take all these mitigation st- strategies and still get sick. But we haven't gotten COVID. So there's something to what we're doing. But um, yeah. So uh, the one thing there I could go. tell him was, you know, fortunately, Really, it goes away in 24 hours. And so I texted him this morning, and sure enough, he's all better. So it's my strange new take in the real world. I think we also maybe get sicker. I don't know about you all. I have hardly been sick at all since the pandemic happened because I've been you wearing don't see masks human and I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do see human beings, but not as much, you know, and and human beings that are being careful. So I think maybe that's why I felt so crappy. I think my body was like, you haven't been sick for a while. We're just going to punch you in the face. <laughs> so my new strange new take for this episode is that Reg Barkley is a millennial slash Gen Wire who needs a Gen X parent to give him constant positive reinforcement in order for him to be able to do his job well. <laughs> I recognize that that's a little risky for me as a Gen Xer to say to my millennial co-hosts. <laughs> no, but that's I was like, as I was watching the show unfold, I'm like, Reg really is his best self when he is getting positive reinforcement. Um, and then, but I had some deeper thoughts about it, actually, that I can share a little bit later. So that was just my tease, my strange new take there. I, um, it's funny, after I finished watching this episode, the, you know, those like things pop up, like the next episode, auto playing in five minutes. I was like, no, 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 do not play Spirit uh, Fairhaven. I don't want to watch Fairhaven. No, stop. You know, uh, I will say that my three-year-old liked this episode. Oh, really? Because there's not, I, there's not a lot of interpersonal conflict in it. And so that's, he likes, he doesn't like when there's interpersonal conflict or when people yell at each other. So, um, like Travis and I will be having a conversation. He comes up between us, stop squabbling. We're like, we're not squabbling. Like we're having a perfectly normal conversation. <laughs> I think he gets this stuff from television. I don't know. Maybe my kid watches too much TV. Who knows? <laughs> he would just like the final four seasons or, or three seasons of uh, The West Wing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, well, uh, let, let me give you the memory alpha summary of uh, Pathfinder. When the Enterprise E returns home to Earth... Lieutenant Barkley seeks Counselor Deanna Troy's help when he worries that he has become obsessed with the crew of Voyager. Pretty linear plot. Pretty very Mm -hmm. basic. Point A to point B in like 30 seconds uh, or 42 minutes as it were. And so I think we can just, uh, you know, I was trying to think like how do we want to structure the discussion going forward? I think it's 
it's kind of i think we no matter what path we take we're going to end up at the same point so i'm just going to start with talking about the fact that counselor troy is there in the first scene that uh, mm-hmm. you know we, we start in the middle of the story uh troy is welcomed in says some really weird stuff there for a second about ice cream and her figure and stuff and i'm just like uh, did brandon braga write this no interesting uh, and then, um, yeah. yeah the, the only thing that we've ever like maintained about her character is just like, uh, I don't know if she's a woman and I think women like chocolate. I, I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Yeah. It, it, it just also, like, it, not it comes too up much so often. often for her. Yeah. Right. But, but I will say, so when she made the comment about, I'm trying to watch, watch my figure, I almost kind of wondered if, if, um, Marina Sirtis kind of said it throwing some shade because I know she did not appreciate the way the pressure that they put on her to be a certain size. Um, like mm. it, she just wanted to be five pounds heavier and they're like, no, you know, like, she didn't want, it wasn't like she, you know, she just, the, the weight that they wanted her to be at was just not a comfortable one for her to maintain. But they also had um, like, that's why they didn't put her in the uniform. They didn't think she looked good in the uniform. So they put her in these other dresses, wow. like her, her figure wasn't quite, I don't know. So it's just really I, I stupid. I think tailors exist, you know, like the, I know, the, these, shows, I know. these shows cost enough money that like, if the uniform doesn't look quite so right, like you could probably tuck it in in a few places or whatever. Well, and I will also say, I can't remember where I heard this. And I don't think, I don't, I think I actually heard this out of the mouth of a costumer that the men always had to have their costumes adjusted. Like the men who are playing Starfleet characters, their weights would fluctuate a lot, but the women's mm-hmm. weights never fluctuated because women aren't allowed to have their weight fluctuate. You know what I mean? It was that kind yeah, of a, yeah. like the women just felt pressure to maintain a certain size and the men didn't feel that same pressure. So the men would fluctuate more across the, well, and the even across the season, these... you know? Yeah, the women yeah. had to wear these skin tight exoskeleton, and like suits. they had these weird padded bras. I think that they had to wear too. Like, to be fair, I, I think the men had a, had a fair amount of uh, padding for like muscles or whatever uh, in the <laughs> at TNG cast. <laughs> the release, not Enterprise. Enterprise, everyone was like they uh, were perfectly sculpted, like Adonis's. Yeah. But I know <laughs> the show was weird in that all regard. Right, all right, but... let, let me yank y'all back from the decon room uh, back to the podcast. <laughs> I mean, but I was I... gonna say, I was gonna say about Deanna. I do think that I, I did appreciate that she was like, "Wait, where's my ice cream?" Like, <laughs> like she wasn't gonna let that ice cream not get brought I was to her. About that, so. <laughs> I did, but seriously, I did think that that first scene was kind of wasted time. Because when mm. you do something like that, when you start the story in the middle, your viewers are kind of trying scrambling to figure out what is happening. Especially in an episode like mm. this where you're seeing Reg Barkley and Deanna. It's yeah. on Earth. Like, what is happening? And it just was such slow, like, tedious buildup where, I mean, it was... The, the stuff that they put into Deanna's mouth was really lame, but it also just also just held up everything else. And you're just wondering, mm-hmm. like, what is the point of all of this? What are you all trying to, like, convey with all, any of this stuff? Like, um, and even just the whole setup of, like, a counselor coming for, like, an impromptu counseling session that has been, like, surreptitiously arranged. I don't know. It just does kind of... I guess it started the episode off on the wrong foot for me. And I really wish that we had just started with what happened after the credits. Because I don't think any of that initial stuff was even needed. Like, I don't think it told us anything interesting. Well, uh, did we learn the name of the cat then? I, I, I forget which which crucial scene we learned that his name was Neelix. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was like, and and I feel like that if they had just done that, where like the entire teaser was full of just hints that Reg is like weirdly in like interested in the Voyager crew, that like that was maybe like you just called out the only interesting thing about that, which is that this yeah his cat Neelix jumps on the table. He's like Neelix, no. Well, and isn't that yeah. right around the time, like right after that, you find out, or no, I think we find out he's been taken off the project. Then you find out he's named his his cat Neelix, and you're like, oh, oh, I think I know why you've been taken off the project, Reg. Like, yeah, <laughs> but know, then, then we spend the next 35 that. minutes not finding out why he was taken off the project until the very end. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think there there was were some weird things about pacing. And I guess for, for me, I, and I remember this when I first watched these episodes, which is every time they mentioned that the Enterprise E is there in a uh, like in a TV show of Star Trek. I'm just so sad because it's owned by a different company at this point, and we're not allowed to show to the it. Enterprise E because whatever. <laughs> like I just I hate that. Like I I just hope that uh, in I, I don't even know have we even we, we still haven't had it in Picard. I like we need to just like show me the Enterprise E in Picard, please. <laughs> Well, because now it's all they're under the same, the same umbrella. Same yeah, they're so, all the yeah. same company now. Like, we're allowed to... I, I feel like it. They, they uh, like we had... We even had, like, the call-outs in the first season, and maybe that was because they were separate things. Of course, I'm super off-topic still, but, but damn it, show me the Enterprise-E. <laughs> well, let me, let me help you by going even further off-topic, which is that recently, maybe about four years ago, in the James Bond franchise, the movie Never Say Never Again, which was the Sean Connery recast as Bond... After he had officially left the role of James Bond, he was, he, this was kind of like a bootleg production. Someone bought the rights to this, like, one James Bond novel, and they filmed this, like, bootleg Sean Connery James Bond movie. It was just, like, out there as its own thing, and then the rights to it were finally bought by the original Aeon, Produ- Aeon Productions, which made all the other Bond films. So now, technically, we have two film, film adaptations of Thunderball, Never Say Never Again, and the original Thunderball, and... We could have characters from the Never Say Never Again crew show up in the original <laughs> James Bond if we really wanted. So well, what um, we need is is uh, if George Lucas then buys everything, then he can re-edit it so that they just every time that he mentions his name, he can just say the Bond James Bond thing. Like we could just right, like make it right. the same movie. Exactly, and then Steven Spielberg can remove all the guns and put walkie talkies into everybody's heads. But okay, all right. Get, getting back to Pathfinder. Um, the I think my most enjoyable piece of this episode was seeing kind of them try to recreate first season Voyager uh, mm-hmm. in in the crew like you know Janeway had her bun back uh, the Maquis are wearing their Maquis uniforms I think they could have gone a little bit further uh, and yeah. we don't see Neelix at all because maybe his like visual parameters are not available yeah. so. Um, Oh, I didn't catch that. Even even yeah. though he, because yeah, he clearly knows about Neelix, but uh, so I'm trying to remember. So I'm trying to remember how much they would know about Voyager. Mm-hmm. Like, so did they know that Bolana was serving as the engineer? Did they know that Chakotay was the first officer? You know what I mean? Like, like I was trying yeah, I, to remember like how much information so, they would have had. It would have been exactly what the Voyager doctor was able to tell them very quickly in Message in a Bottle, the Andy Dick episode where he gets sent back. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have any, like, files or whatever with him, I don't think. I think Mm -hmm. there was just this, like, quick opportunity to send him there and back. So he probably was like, oh, yeah, the Maki are part of our crew. Chakotay is the first officer. Balana is the... You know, whatever. And 
um it was it was kind of um i think a reflection of that yeah yeah what, what we should have had is is all those characters that they made up and then killed in the same episode uh we should have brought all of them back because we would have assumed <laughs> that they would still be alive and definitely were like important into the crew I, I just wanted them to make Dom Paris into a gigantic jerk again, and they didn't do that, which was kind of uh, <laughs> and a creep, which didn't happen. So well, th- that's because Park Barkley is a uh, he's a man, so he's not going to be super creepy to him. So uh, if it was Troy over there, then wouldn't it have been hilarious that. if like Barkley's holographic program just had Paris and Janeway have some like weird awkward chemistry together, like they didn't ca- caretaker? <laughs> <laughs> well, super- you know. So I well I don't know how linearly we're gonna go with telling the story because I mean we talked about the the episode is pretty linear as far as right, like right. the way it progressed with the story. I mean, we've but... talked about James Bond, so not very linear. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So, we're but I just wanted to <laughs> I wanted to point out a few things that I thought were interesting as far as um, <clears throat> different because you talked about this being the same, basically the same as Hollow Pursuits, just kind of rehashed in a different way. But I thought there were some really interesting differences um, in it. Uh, basically, so Reg doesn't use the holodeck as a way to vent. Um, like he was using mm-hmm. it to kind of sort through the feelings that he was having of inadequacy and and just like like feeling intimidated and really um, mistreated by the Enterprise crew. So he was processing that through the holodeck. That is totally not what he was using the holodeck this time. This time he's using yeah. the holodeck to create some sort of uh, friend, family, group kind of thing. It's his place where he goes to to feel good about himself, but not because he's having to beat up the people that he's, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought that was interesting. But the other thing I found interesting, so um, I actually think that Hark, is it Harkins, who was the um, his su- supervising officer, Yep. He was a way better friend to Reg than Jordy was yes. in the Hollow Pursuits episode. Um, you di- it didn't feel forced at all. I felt like he actually genuinely did like Reg. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, he does say, you know, Reg, I really appreciate your imagination. It's part of why you're such a valuable part of this team. And then essentially said, but you know what? I just don't want to listen to your cockeyed theories. You know, <laughs> So I was like, uh, that's a little weird. You appreciate his imagination, yeah. but you're not willing to let him kind of tease this out. And it does seem like he was doing that on his own time. He wasn't doing that when yeah. he was supposed to be doing his work. But the problem is he was spending all of his excess time in this fantasy world. And he actually did have a real life that he could have pursued in the real world. And he was not Mm -hmm. wanting to do that. You know, like I think it was a genuine invitation when Harkins was inviting him to come to dinner and to meet this person he wanted to fix him up with. And, and he says to the doctor at one point in the episode, you know, I really, you know, you all really appreciate me. And I wanted to be like, but Reg, you actually are appreciated out in the real world. Mm -hmm. And you're totally losing sight of that because you're spending all of your time in the holodeck. So I, I just found some interesting differences between the two episodes. Yeah, no, I, I, I super agree because it's a and, and I I think that's why I like this this pairing of these two episodes so much is that it, it gives us sort of um, what if some of the things in Hollow Pursuits happened, but he had a supportive group around him. I mean, yeah, we don't really get into his other coworkers, but like Harkins is, seems like a good boss, even though he like they like it's like they they made him socially supportive or like caring about the person, but like doesn't actually want him to like work on this 
thing that might actually help. I, I, I don't know. His, his character felt a little bit inconsistent to me. Yeah. But um, like I, I liked, so I liked seeing that. But the other thing is that um, I feel like uh, the way that Reg uses the holodeck, this is actually probably the one of the best uses of the holodeck and like makes it very clear like this is this would be a great idea um if you're someone who's like working with problem solving type stuff like for instance like uh, uh, when i'm uh, when i'm programming uh it's sometimes it's helpful to explain what i'm trying to do either to another person or sometimes an inanimate object works too um but like the ability of like needing to have sort of a sounding board to explain your ideas uh, to is really helpful. And I, I feel like it's a it's an ingenious use of the technology that uh, it seems like really everyone should probably have like a simulation where they're they're doing like most of their work, where they are bouncing ideas off of other like simulated people um, because it, it, I, I feel like you can come up with a lot more creative ideas and can run with things uh, in a way that maybe frees you up to sort of stay in that creative space for longer, uh, when that's a helpful thing. Um, so I, I think I, I, uh, I, I thought it was a, just, a, it was a really cool use of the technology in a way that I feel like a lot of holodeck episodes are just like, what if, uh, what if we stuck you in there and like made it so that the guns hurt you? And <laughs> like, uh, Voyager yeah. has done this before because, like, if you remember mm-hmm. the beginning of Timeless, which we've also covered on this podcast, you have Harry and Tom yeah. testing out different possibilities on the holodeck. Like, um, also, I'll point out this is one of the few episodes of Star Trek focused on the holodeck where the safety protocols work flawlessly, and it's not like, oh no, they're malfunctioning. <laughs> Um, because Bolana shoots those two Starfleet security guys and nothing happens. Nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although they, they were able to, uh, I guess you can still, I, it was a little weird to me that you can trap people and like hide in the holodeck, but I, I don't know. I, that was the least of the problems in the episodes. So I didn't really worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, but I do think that this is one where we see both the good and the bad sides in an, in a complex way of the holodeck. Like, mm-hmm. Reg sleeping on the holodeck has his own quarters on Voyager, programming all the Voyager crew to think he's, like, an amazing best friend person. Mm-hmm. Tiny bit creepy. But, yeah. like you're saying, Adam, great place to exercise creativity, to, like, think, mm-hmm. to empathetically even connect with some of the people that you're trying to help, so to remind you why you're doing the work. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's and it at least he he's not currently their coworkers, so it's not uh it's my sex fantasy that I have with people that I oh work God. with every day. I right. Uh, right. I really hope that that hasn't happened in this simulation. No. But anyway, um, I I think the other thing that I have to reflect on that's different from Hollow Pursuits is there's somebody who brings up the consequences, the ethical consequences of simulating real people. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, de- like, it's explicitly dealt with as creepy. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, the Admiral says, I love, like, I understand you've been spending time with a holographic recreation of my son and other members of the crew. And I, I, it's almost like Barkley should have just said, well, you know, actually, now that you say it like that, I can see that it's pretty creepy. He doesn't Barclay's quite like, say Excuse me, one moment, just walks out of the window, like, you know. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's, it is excruciatingly creepy. Can you imagine someone meets you and you're like, 
I mean, this is what happened with Dr. Leah Brams, but like in TNG yeah. with Jordy, where it's like, yeah, I'm very close to you on the holodeck. And it's like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, chill, bro. Um, right, yeah. right. So he, here's something else I know. Speaking of Admiral Paris, oh, there are a couple of things I want to say about Admiral Paris. But so when Reg first speaks, like when they have the big meeting and um, Harkin says what their plan is, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the Admiral responds to that and then Barkley says actually we can do it you know and and Admiral Paris you know Harkins tries to quiet Reg down and Admiral Paris says, no no that's okay I'm all your son I found that interesting do we usually hear commanding officers refer to uh to um people who serve under them by the term son or kiddo or sorry i've been referred to as kiddo by people before i don't like it um but you know i just thought it was interesting because i've i don't ever remember someone else saying that but maybe admirals are kind of like good old boys so they like do say that or is it because there's like this childlike quality to barkley because he's so nervous and so he's kind of like saying son to kind of like help him chill out a little i just thought that was weird well in, in the spirit of us uh crossing genres and uh and franchises all over the place uh in in the end of mass effect 3 admiral anderson refers to uh commander shepherd as child uh so it's just a thing that admirals are able to do and it's fine <laughs> i mean i do think that it's it's a, it's one of those like avuncular things which was the other avuncular character who said like weird things that we, we oh kind of... it was it was uh darren uh uh Vic Fontaine. what's his name Vic Fontaine Jimmy Darren yeah yep yep and so I think this is just Richard Hurd being able to play out kind of this avuncular yeah. good mural for for lack of a better word because he is a good mural you know he reviews the data like he, he's like we'll review the data and get back to you it's not like a team of people with rifles that show up at Barclay's door to put him in a straight mm-hmm. jacket and like throw mm-hmm. him into like some facility it's mm-hmm. like no your data was good. This is promising. We should do this. He does it in the middle of the night. He shows up. Yeah. To like, yeah. Make it, <laughs> because make it he loves, he loves his son, even though the picture he has on his desk is not of his son. It's of Nick Locarno. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that is not Tom Paris. That is Nick Locarno. Was he like your stand in son? Because Tom Paris was such a disappointment to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I now I, I just know. want them. I want like lower decks to like bring on Nick Locarno and be like, everybody keeps calling me Tom. I don't get it. The commemorative plate is actually Nick Locarno. It's not Tom yeah. Harris. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of comedy that's possible there. Oh but, my um, gosh. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't know I if mean, you all noticed that that was Nick Locarno in that photo, but yes, <laughs> it yes, was. it's yeah. from the first duty, yeah. uh, Wesley episode, which I was like, yep. maybe next door to the Pathfinder project is the Find Pather project, run by Commander <laughs> Wesley Crusher, who still like torments Reg, forcing him onto the holodeck, <laughs> even though his the Pathfinder people are so nice to him. But um, <sighs> anyway. Uh, coming back to back to the narrative here, uh, <laughs> I did I did like the the portrayal of Admiral Paris in this episode. This is our first introduction to Admiral Paris, as far as I I know, if I remember correctly, and he is shown as somebody who is who clearly his face shows that he cares about his son. We don't have like a lot of like, well, I miss my son there, like you mm-hmm. know, like uh, kind of stuff. But we do just see him kind of tighten a little bit when he's talking about Tom and. Mm-hmm. 
I I appreciated the portrayal. I really did. Mm-hmm. No, I did too. Well, and you know, I gotta say, oh, I'm way jumping ahead here, um, but I got emotional when they made contact with Voyager and Voyager, like when they had established contact back mm-hmm. um, and Admiral Paris was talking, you know, talking about his son. Oh, yeah. And anyway, I just, I was like, wow, I'm super emotional, even though I'm watching this episode totally out of context of the whole series. But um, so I think they played yeah. that part of it really well. Oh yeah. I, and I think that that's, that stuff is part of why I, like this episode is uh just as a preview like i'm going to rate this one pretty highly because it the there were several moments in this episode even though there were lots of like ridiculous aspects of it where i just i i was there and feeling it and it and i feel like voyager doesn't often take me there uh mm-hmm. especially the some of the episodes that we've been watching like it's often felt like the characters are like weirdly disconnected from what's happening like uh for instance, the uh, the one that we uh, we watched recently, where um, the Doctor is going into the uh, the holodeck to uh, uh, end Grendel, uh, Janeway like kind of is excited about how everyone has died and uh, that she gets to have this like cool science experiment where she like maybe figures out how to bring these people back to life. <laughs> uh, but and and also like there's moments in like even Caretaker where it's like, oh, uh, we are stranded forever and we'll never get to home. Like a uh, second star to the right and straight on till morning, everybody like, let's yep. get real excited about exploring. And and this one, I, I could feel that Voyager was stranded and that they like had this tiny glimmer of hope. And like that, it I, I, I don't know. I, I just think it was, it was done so well here. So what you're saying is that you're defending David Zabel after like ruthlessly <laughs> ripping him apart earlier in this episode, Adam, get your story. Oh, straight, I, I, th- straight. I, th- I think this is, th- this must've just been stuff that the, uh, all the actors were just kind of, you know, riffing <laughs> off of things because uh, Zabel just sucked so much that I uh, wasn't able to give him much to work with. You oh, all sound he, like the crew the, of the uh, Enterprise, the way they treated poor Reg Barkley. This is terrible. David Zabel is I'm, going I'm to gonna be, escape us. I'm going to go be like Harkins and be kinder and, and try to set him up with somebody so he can have a happy life. Um, oh, man, you broke me, Emily, right there. Well, his Wikipedia page doesn't show him married to anybody, so maybe you oh. can do that. <laughs> Um, anyway uh again i feel like my job in this episode is just gonna be like i distracting us and then bringing us back uh that's your job as a host right yeah uh usually the distracting part i leave to other people but today i'm just having too much fun uh richard hurd owen paris is played by richard hurd who had previously played the klingon lacor in birthright part one and part two in tng he was also part of the Enterprise Blues Band, a musical group uh, that made songs about Star Trek. He did this next to Vaughn Armstrong, Casey Biggs, Steve Rankin, William Jones, and Ronald B. Moore. And he, unfortunately, Richard Hurd passed away last May due to cancer-related uh, causes. So, uh, But he left us with some phenomenal performances, of which this was one. And I think another actor who kind of distinguished themselves in this episode was Dwight Schultz. I think his portrayal of Mm -hmm. Barkley, initially Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, he's just playing kind of a single note buffoon. Like, not a buffoon necessarily, but just just kind of like a poorly adjusted person. And then you see him, like, as soon as the the Voyager uh, 
hologram stuff starts up, he just becomes a different person altogether. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not. So he shows the complexity of his performance in that way. Yeah, he he's got some incredible range in this episode, and I and I I think it's um, maybe some of it is just that it's uh, part of what I appreciate about it is that it's not just using the holodeck as like a um, straight up a creepy thing. It's it, you you get to see that side of him of like okay, he does have this like this like inner confidence. It's not just frustration with things. It's just that he can't figure out how to like turn this into something where it's not uh, sort of a narrative that he controls. And I, um, and, and we, and we just like the, I was there and like believing all those moments of like, where, as he's like breaking down more and more and like obsessively trying to figure out how to solve this problem. Um, yeah. So Dwight Schultz of hundred percent was great here. All right, folks. Well, let's take a break right here. We will return with more strange new takes. Anyone know this Barkley? I took the liberty of reviewing his personnel file. He's had a rather colorful career, not to mention an unusual medical history. He's recovered from a variety of maladies, including transporter phobia and hollow addiction. Well, whatever his problems, he certainly came through for us. Starfleet should give him a promotion. I finished analyzing the data Mr. Barkley sent. The hypersubspace technology is promising. I believe we can look forward to future communications with Earth. Well, that calls for a toast. Care to do the honors, Tom? To my dad. It's nice to know he's still there. And to the newest honorary member of the Voyager crew, Reginald Barkley, whoever you are. To Mr. Barkley. Congratulations. Well, I'm not, not sure I deserve congratulations. Why not? It's quite an accomplishment. I, I couldn't have done it without your help. What did Commander Harkins have to say about it? Well, I think, I think he was pleased. Why wouldn't he be? You're quite a catch. Well, not everyone would want a sister-in-law to date someone with my history. It's a new era. So, tell me all about the lucky lady. I want details. Well, her name is Hope. You're kidding. No. And she loves cats. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We've been having fun conversations during the break that you never heard, dear listener, because I cut them out of the podcast and put in a cool I don't clip think he did. Pop I think Pine. he left them. This does occasionally happen. I try my best. But uh, another thing that happened in the break, dear listener, is that Adam discovered something interesting about Admiral Owen Paris. Yeah, so... Uh... I, I, I remembered that I felt like this wasn't the first time we saw Owen Paris, uh, and I was correct, but it was the first time I think that we saw uh, uh, Michael... No, Richard sorry. Hurd. Richard Hurd. Is Michael Hurd someone else? Maybe he's like in Dune or something. I'm going to look this up. Uh, yeah, but uh, so... Uh, Michelle Hurd uh, is on Picard, by the way. Maybe that's what Michelle I'm Hurd, yeah. Yeah, and then and then uh, Discovery is getting me thinking about Michael instead of Michelle. Uh, but okay, so Warren Munson played uh, Owen Paris uh, in I think two previous episodes. Uh, there's one where there's there's a bunch the uh, the Voyager crew is experiencing a lot of like violent hallucinations uh, in persistence persistence of vision. He shows up as a um, an illusion there, and he's also uh, there's a voice only in Thirty Days, which is where uh, Tom Paris gets. Uh, demoted and there's also that cool water planet thing i was also isn't there an episode where they show admiral janeway like meaning janeway's father 
And yeah. I used to get Admiral Paris and Admiral Janeway confused, like the actor that played the, you know, anyway, so I, but I can't remember. So now I'm wondering if the person I'm picturing in my head as Admiral Janeway was actually the original Admiral Paris. I don't know. No, no, I'm no. You are, you are thinking of, um, oh, I forget his name. I mean, he, they're very much actors cut from the same cast where it's like, uh, yeah. Uh, they're like avuncular, sportly, older white men. And mm -hmm. so like, so, so he was played, so at Vice Admiral Janeway, as far as I can tell, we don't know his, uh, oh. first, his first name. Oh, it's Edward Janeway, according to Memory Beta. So in the books, he has a name. He's played by Len Cario, who, if you, if you see his face, you'll be like, yep, I've seen him in like 5 billion things. He's a, he's a pretty famous actor. And he, we saw him in the Voyager episode Coda, and he was uh, okay. Yeah, played by a uh, alien. So that's what it was. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. so. Oh, that does sound familiar. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and he features in the character is in. Um, I don't know if you all read the two Voyager books that are considered canon. Um, uh, Mosaic is the one that's about Janeway, and then. Uh, pathways, pathways maybe pathways, yeah. is yeah, the I, one that's about the the rest of the cast or the rest of the crew um yeah. but but her father features a lot in the mosaic one anyway so i mm. also i also see him in those scenes in my head because i knew what he looked like in the when they had cast an actor to play that role anyway yeah well wow uh, this is the episode of tangents right right <laughs> Um, speaking of tangents, I want to talk about tangerine. No, I don't. That was that was that was forced joke. That was a forced joke. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, if you look at the other Paris though, and the new Paris, like Richard Hearn, Warren Munson, they do kind of share some they, features. They do. Bit. They do. Warren, I could see why. Yeah. Warren Munson has those Dracula eyebrows though. Like you know, they he point does. off in like one direction, make him look evil. Uh, which kind of like you... what my hair is doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought his eyebrows look like my hair and my little wings and hands going <laughs> Well, you maybe maybe your hair likes to be good to dredge Barkley and his data. So you know, much like mm -hmm. Admiral over in Paris. Uh, which okay, again, force force segues. What is it with me in this? Yeah. Episode? Well, hey, I can I can bring us back. I'm gonna okay, I'm go. gonna flesh out my strange new take that I had earlier in the episode please save so, us do um, it now yeah yeah so i made the comment that you know he's a, a millennial that needs to have positive reinforcement all the time but then i started thinking um reg is someone who um i i would say that he probably is someone who suffers from a disability um you know he has really debilitating anxiety um, he has some other, I don't, well, he has a couple of other things that he's struggling with, hollow addiction. Um, and, uh, he has this transport, transporter phobia. They mentioned that too later in the episode, but, um, when people have a disability, you need to make accommodations for them. And it's not like accommodations because they're a special person. And they, like, I, I've been doing a lot more research into the disability community, um, just to find ways to make sure that our as a community of faith we are accessible right and mm -hmm. um so uh, one of the things i'm seeing a lot is, you know not appreciating the term special needs because it's not they don't need it's not special needs they need to have certain things in place so that they can have the same access that able-bodied people would have yeah. right yeah so then i was thinking about you know uh um that's what 
they need to, I think that's what Harkins is a, is doing a better job at providing for Barkley than the Enterprise crew was in Hollow Pursuits um, because he's recognizing the accommodations that need to be made for Barkley so that Barkley is able to perform at the mm-hmm. highest level um, because he has some pretty debilitating conditions that get in the way of that. But if those are able to be worked around and he's able to have certain accommodations in place, he really can excel and be a really valuable member of the team and bring a perspective that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have. And it's necessary. Like we need to have the perspectives of people with all sorts of abilities and disabilities and and experiences in life because it it makes us all better. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I I feel like this episode does a good job of like, um, I mean, maybe it's still a little bit like telling rather than showing, but like, right. uh, we, it's Star Trek. We we see, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what it does. Uh, it we we see how Reg has like he's more imaginative than other people, and like maybe mm-hmm. he is able to like think around this in more ways that other people just like don't have access to. Um, mm-hmm. And at the very least, like being close to his hollow addiction, like maybe getting a little bit like he's much more able to like empathize and and uh integrate with hollow characters than other people are and maybe that helps him use them as like useful tools for uh coming up with new creative ideas and exploring them uh, well I, so, yeah, and I, I thought i agree that that's that's a um this well, episode i think sets that up pretty well i think i i wonder why there hasn't been a troy or some other counselor in his life who said like clearly this hollow deck plays such an important function in your life. It allows you to lead so much more of a fulfilling social experience. Forget everything else. Why mm-hmm. don't why why aren't there some healthy non-real people based holograms? So holograms that are purely fictional that have been introduced to his life as like ways for him to express himself more. You know, right? Um, whereas it's treated as kind of like an addiction holodeck addiction is something that's talked about a whole bunch like Mm -hmm. i feel like there's there there may be a healthy version of using the holodeck as treatment or like as a as a vehicle for living a more fulfilling life uh and that's not really talked about very much well and i just started thinking so what um you know we think oh reg you need to be able to make friends in the real world blah 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 but then i started thinking what are the benefits of having a friend who is a hologram or, you know, like what, what benefits is Reg experiencing in the relationships that he has with these hollow characters? They don't have an agenda, you know, they are not making judgments against him or judgments of him. Um, They are just accepting him at face value. And so he's not having to, I, I don't, I just feel like there's, there's a certain thing that's, that he isn't worried about a hollow character doing that. Mm. He is worried about a flesh and blood person who is in front of him doing. And that's what's, that's why he's not anxious on the holodeck in the same way. I will disagree with some of that though, because they are not making negative judgments. They are making positive judgments. They are a lot of them. are like, you're a great guy, Reg. Oh my God. Cause he's a millennial. You're you're just the, (laughs) You're just amazing. Thanks for being here. Here's a participation trophy. Uh, 
I, I was gonna make some jokes about stimulus checks, but those are, I feel like I would be playing a character that I really hate if I was gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. So hey, um, I'm a Gen Xer and I took the stimulus check. I mean, I took it too, but I was just like, I, I was like, if I go into the right wing, like extreme right wing caricature yeah, of the person sure, making sure. fun of millennials. That's not a place no. that I can bring myself back from, and I've done enough things. For the that record, I that is not back. me. I am not an extreme right care, extreme <laughs> extreme right wing character. I'm poking fun at the fact that my co-hosts are millennials, and I'm a Gen Xer, and it's my my generation is responsible for for creating you. So. Well, not really, Adam, because our parents are boomers, but you know. <laughs> anyway. And I'm on the cusp anyway. I'm like at the end of Gen X, so you know, it's all good. Oh, it's I'm all. Gonna- Resist the urge to go off on other tangents just now. See, I'm learning. I'm growing as this. Ep- this is my character <laughs> growth for this episode. Um, but, but I think I think Reg does find himself in a world where I think that's where it could get unhealthy. If you're gonna have therapeutic mm-hmm. hologram usage, you cannot have the type of holograms that just like say "good job" regardless of what right. you're doing because they can right. reinforce unhealthy habits, unhealthy right, things that sure. are destructive. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I think that's that is where the, what makes me a little uncomfortable with this Voyager crew recreation is that they're just like chumming it up to a degree where I I don't know how healthy that is necessarily. Well, and that's well, I maybe he just thinking... needs to he needs to go experience the, this uh, starship vortex uh, <laughs> and, uh, work with those characters a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see a way that they could use this to Reg's benefit in a healthy way is have like either their engineering section or their engineering station or the bridge or whatever be the place where he's running the experiments. You know, like like that was really helpful for him to be able to recreate the bridge of Voyager and recreate their right. their engineering mm-hmm. section mm-hmm. to be able to to run some of the diagnostic stuff that he needed and and so if they could have utilized that rather than making him feel like that's something he had to do on his own time and that's maybe not normal or oh this is this is your hollow addiction making an appearance um so i feel like there there could have been a way that they could have used the holodeck as an accommodation that would be healthy and helpful for reg whereas because it wasn't used by his workplace that's what made it this slippery slope into the unhealthy like it really was mm-hmm. when he goes mm-hmm. to tries to go to sleep in his apartment and he's like, he just can't. So then he goes back to Voyager and sleeps on. That's when you're like, okay, yeah, this is definitely your hollow addiction. That's, that's making an appearance here, you know? For yeah, sure. And, and actually that, that reminds <clears throat> me that there was that, those two moments mirrored each other where he's sort of try to, trying to troubleshoot those things on the, on the bridge of Voyager. And then Janeway is doing the same thing uh, like in reality I feel like if I was the writer, uh, then I I would have made those have the same lines. I, I I don't I didn't write down what they were saying to to figure out if that's what actually happened though. But they, they well, felt it's because similar. the writer doesn't know what he's doing. He's a terrible writer, yeah, he's, right? Yeah, he, just, he, he sucks. So he probably didn't do that. Poor uh, <laughs> David Zabel. Oh my god. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> this is just like. Uh, by the way, David Zabel wrote many episodes of ER. Uh, it's oh, like his like claim to fame, and he wrote uh, two so episodes. That's why this Jack. episode sucked so much, right? <gasps> I liked ER. Take that back. Well, I liked ER most of the time. Okay. Well, um, I also wanted to just talk briefly about ethics for a minute, because in the last Bridge episode that we we discussed all the pursuits, 
Deanna Troy is like, hmm, thank you for all this information you shared with me in a confidential therapeutic setting. Let me go tell your boss about it. In this episode, the doctor is like, oh yeah, Reggie Barkley, I read his medical record. Hey, this <laughs> yeah. party, large party full of people is a great place for me to talk about his addictions, his medical issues. Let me just tell you everything. Also, look, it says from here, Deanna Troy, here's things you should tell Reggie's supervisors. And, you know, um, it was pretty But weird. I will say, I will say, the Voyager crew didn't care about his diagnoses. They were still willing to accept him as an honorary member of the crew. They thought he was a valuable, you know, addition. Anyway, so I thought that was kind of, uh, in, in a way, showing us that we a person is not their diagnoses, right? There is more to a person than anyway. So, well, and, and maybe the Federation exists in this magical place where, like, uh, since there's free healthcare and free everything, uh, people aren't afraid, aren't ashamed or afraid or or have um, complications in their life because of things they're diagnosed with. So maybe everyone is just totally fine. They don't uh, need HIPAA about like all the. All the things that are going on in their GI tract or, or whatever, or yeah, <laughs> obsessions they have, weird sex things. Like, it's just, you, everyone talks about it totally freely, openly. Except with Wesley Crusher, who makes fun of you if you do that. And everyone's like, ah, oh, Wesley, good one. We should integrate that into our office culture. Anyway. Um, Did you notice hardly anyone called him Barkley in this episode? It was Reg. Everyone called right. him Reg. I just thought that was interesting, too. And that was nice. That was nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you well, know. It, it can't be, there's no, Maybe there's not a vegetable that like you can replace it with, so he makes sure that people veg. Mm. <laughs> there we go. Ruined. Yeah, we're creating a hostile working environment for Reg Barkley people. If he comes on this podcast, uh, for Veg Broccoli. Yeah, there you go. Veg Broccoli. There you go. Oh God. So, to to some less uh, well, let's let's talk about the conclusion of this episode really quick before I go off onto trivia pieces. Um, this episode has that kind of very tropey ending where it's like, hey, we got to stop you. You're doing something we don't want at the last minute. Oh, it actually worked. Wow. Mm-hmm. It wor- and, and that plot was fine. I, I didn't have any issues with that. You could see it coming from a mile away that that was what was going to happen. So it's... Yeah, I... I, I think that, that sort of the, the places that we um, sort of like gloss things over or just like use a random trope, like I think it, it ended up being fine uh, because, I mean, this is the best that we could expect from David Zabel um, and the <laughs> actors just had to be the ones to sort of like work with that, the hot trash that they were given and just, you know, just let, make something out of it. David Zabel, if you're listening to this episode, we don't mean any of these things. We actually have no idea about your worth <laughs> and skills as a writer apart from this episode. Isn't, isn't okay, that continue. the most insulting thing we can say about him? David Zabel, we know nothing about we don't know you. Who you, you are. are so <laughs> don't take it personally. There's only so much information that can fit into our small pea brains. So, <laughs> so did y'all notice the, the famous prop in this episode in the pathfinder station there's that like those two like gun like things that have like these two tubes with like a light in there you know what i'm talking about it's like a it's a very famous oh. prop that shows up in a whole lot of other stuff um yeah i'm trying to think of the other places that i've seen it um i think it definitely probably showed up in the other pathfinder episode but um so i think i think these actually show up in 
if I'm not mistaken, I've I've seen this piece of this prop in other Star Treks for sure, and in fact, I've, I think I've seen them in in, in other sci-fi series. And I wasn't able to find uh, out exactly what it was, but it, it's it's in other Voyager episodes for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this this um, Memory Alpha episode uh, or not episode article doesn't have that um, uh, piece of technology identified, but um, if I find it, I will I will share more information about it. Hmm. Yeah, th- there's little things like that that I uh, I'm I'm like so certain that I I'm I've caught something that's been reused in other media or whatever. Like there's there's like a door closing sound that happens yes. in the game Daggerfall that I feel I, I hear it constantly used everywhere, and I and I'm just like I'm pretty sure they're using the same sound file, but like how do I find that out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I've never found myself um, in a place where the Wilhelm scream bothers me. I feel like a lot of people hear the Wilhelm scream and they're like, oh, that's the Wilhelm scream. I cannot, like, ever uh, react to this mm. in the same way again. Like, it, it takes them out of the, like, uh, illusion. And that hasn't happened to me, honestly, as much. Yeah, I, I think more often I'm just like, oh, that's cool that they reused that thing that I've heard mm-hmm. a bazillion times <laughs> in random other places. Uh, sort of like I, I I love all the reuse of like um, uh, the original series sound sound effects in uh, uh, Futurama and whatnot. So I found it. Uh, I unfortunately, dear listener, you are not about to see the screen share that I'm about to do with my uh, co-hosts. The blinking tubes, uh... according to X Astrus Science. Yeah, this is the ultimate reuse prop. There's not a single of its numerous appearances where its purpose would be explained or even only hinted at. <laughs> first time we see the he does he does turn it on yep well the (laughs) first time they're shown is in star trek the two the wrath of khan um and just keep showing up after that over and over and over again that's funny and it's oh they change color though uh it's enterprise yep and and it's 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 a prop that's provided by a company called modern props it was originally built for the original incredible hulk tv series and (laughs) It's I, this is why I've seen it in many other things. You can see it in Austin Powers, Spy Shag Me, in the movie uh, The Last Starfighter. It's in a bunch of other stuff. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure this is That's one of the amazing. standard sci-fi props that comes through. And I saw this in the episode. I was like, "Yep, I I see it. I've I've seen that before." So That's funny. Uh yeah. Excess by the way, is a great website to supplement Memory Alpha. It has some like really like um like kind of obsessive stuff about star starship plans technology and all sorts of other stuff so you can spend hours yeah, I, I read up a, a lot on how dilithium uh is like used in the whole uh warp process uh back at the when we watched um discovery season three yeah so well um other pieces of this episode let me see what else do i have in terms of trivia oh yeah the if you look closely at the Starfleet headquarters, uh, uh, stock footage that they show, you'll see people in older Starfleet uniforms walking around because it's a piece of stock footage, I think, from DS9, if I'm not mistaken. Also, this episode is supposed to take place right after the Breen attack on uh, Earth during the Dominion War, and Earth seems extremely rapidly repaired, uh, San Francisco does. Um, so, 
Good job, Starfleet, uh, for doing that very quickly. Any other little things that y'all that y'all noticed or wanted to talk about before we move on to ratings? No, I think I'm good from here. How awkward do you think it was the conversation with with uh, not Tom Paris, Robert Duncan McNeil, where they were like, "Listen, Robert, Robbie, we need you to like just." comb back your hair and show your receding hairline again like you had in first the first season because they go about halfway they don't do it quite like they did in the first season where it's like all gelled back uh but it's not quite his like later season haircut either uh and i i think they even like garrett wong's hair is slightly differently styled and uh it's it's I, I wish they had, they had done a little bit more in that, like, recreation of the first season Voyager, where maybe they had the Maki and the Starfleet officers, like, kind of not getting along with each other, or, like, other things mm-hmm. that, you know, would have happened if you tried to, like, take something that one person said to you many years ago and try to, like, create an, an elaborate recreation based on that. Right. But, uh, anyway. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it felt a little bit, like, uh, at least for, for me, it was, like, jarring and confusing as to why they knew all these things, but, like, got so many of them wrong. Uh, but, yeah, they probably could have done that a little bit differently. This isn't, like, a trivia thing, but I did notice, you know, you don't see the outside of the ship until um, you actually get to real Voyager. I'm pretty sure that they don't show the outside of the ship until, what did I say? Oh, it was, like, 36 minutes, mm. almost 37 minutes into the episode before we see the actual crew a Voyager and the first person we see is seven. Um, and that's kind of what clues you into, I think it's seven. Is there someone with seven? I can't remember. Seven but, is, um, is not going to give Neelix, uh, uh, voice lessons. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh wait, is it seven and Neelix both yep. in the scene? Yep. Is that what yep. it is? So they, that's how you know, because it's like, we couldn't have seen those two there. people before. Yeah. Right. I know it doesn't so, know that um, they exist as far as I know. Cause I think message in a bottle well, was on no, season three. No, but uh, he has a cat named Neelix, so he he knows somehow. He knows about, that oh, there's, right, right, yeah. Right. But it just, he just doesn't, yeah. They don't know their like visual parameters like. for sure. Yeah. Right, and they don't know about seven of nine. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So also, I got something interesting, which is that I I decided after this to watch the episode Lifeline, um, which is the episode where Reg the Doctor travels back to the Alpha Quadrant mm-hmm. for. Um, to treat Dr. Lewis Zimmerman as creator. Mm-hmm. And that's the episode where the Admiral tells Janeway, uh, there's an Admiral who sends a message back to Voyager. He, he, she, he tells Janeway, there are two long deep space vessels that are going to head towards you and they should be able to meet you in five to six years. If you listen to the trekmovie.com all access podcast, it's been postulated that the vessel in Star Trek Prodigy, the USS Protostar, might be one of those two ships that was sent to retrieve Voyager or to make contact uh-huh. Voyager. We're not certain about That'd that. Be interesting. But that would be interesting. Yeah. So uh, they, in that in that podcast, they were like, "Yeah," and I, one of the hosts was like, "Yeah, I remember this like reference to two deep space vessels," and I was like, "Well, holy crap, that is a very obscure reference. I don't remember that." And now I was watching <laughs> message, uh, not message, but Lifeline, and I was like, "Oh, there it is. That's the." And that might become relevant soon when Prodigy airs. Cool. Interesting. Well, it's a moment of truth, y'all. Strange new ratings. Who wants to stick their neck out and give Pathfinder a strange new rating? 
Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, I, this one gets a 10 from me. Uh, the, the actors, uh, so I, I think it's a perfect example of like, what if we did that other episode, but we did it better this time. And uh, I thought the acting was fabulous in this, especially making up for the trash that they were given. And uh, it just, uh, I, I, I don't know. This is the best version of, of Reg. Uh, this is the Reg that I that I like know and love and is the, uh, yeah, I, I just, um, so much of this came together for me in a way that I think worked really well despite um, uh, everything that could have gone wrong. Yeah, I was going to give it a 4.25 haha, out of 5 um, because I cried in the episode when I was watching it. So, you know, that always is going to give me, it's going to up a rating yeah, for that, me that if I find myself. That gave me it. They give it a 10 for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If it gets, if it gets me a little choked up and I also, I just really felt for Reg. I mean, mm-hmm. the enterprise crew was so awful to him in hollow pursuits that I couldn't even concentrate on feeling bad for him. Cause I was so horrified at how horrible the enterprise crew was to him. Like I was just like, you all are jerks and I have never known you to be jerks yeah. like this. And so I was distracted, but this episode, because that it wasn't that other people were mistreating Reg. So we just got to see what it is like living as Reg. And I just mm-hmm. felt for him. I just felt for him. So um, I thought that was, I thought that was an interesting way uh, to tell his story that was different from Hollow Pursuits and I appreciated it. Okay. I was actually going <laughs> to give this one a six, uh, but I think you'll have talked me to in, up to an eight actually. And I'm remembering how I used to feel about this episode back in the day, which I used to feel much more inclined towards it. I think this is the rare exception to my rewatchability rule, but even though I'm giving this, usually I give a seven and above to something that I would be drawn to watch again. Like, oh, I should, that's a great episode. Let me put it on again and watch it again. This is not one of those episodes. I don't, uh, I just don't. There are parts of it that just make me... I don't know, they just vibe me the wrong way. I think that's, that's a good mm. way of avoiding the description of what's happening uh, or detailing the description of why I don't want to watch it again. But uh, I just don't. So, mm-hmm. but, but I think all of your points are very good ones. So I'll, I'll give it an eight. Cool. Wow, we did it. Good for us. <laughs> well, with that, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam, for being here today to talk about Star Trek with me. I appreciate doing that every single week. It's so much fun. It is. Yeah, thanks, th- Notch. Thanks, Notch. And thanks for revising your uh, your score in honor of us. Yeah, there you uh-huh. go. Uh, thank you, Rudy, Bill, Dinah, and Max. I hope y'all are having a great time wherever you are. Thank you, dear listener, for making time for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. And special thanks to David Zabel for existing and allowing us to roast you uh, for this entire episode. I've enjoyed it immensely. I know y'all have Emily and Adam. So uh, thanks, special thanks to David Zabel for that. See you next week with hey, oh, Lower oh, Decks, think, everybody. Yes, I was going to say, we need to mention that we have a new thing next week. So. Yep, Lower Decks, Very new cool. Star Trek. We will be we will be discussing the first episode of the second season. See you Exciting. next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.